Welcome to Health Law Expressions. This is another edition of the Kickback Chronicles. The Health Law Expressions is Horty Springer's podcast for cutting edge developments in healthcare law. Today, we want to talk about the Medicare anti-kickback statute. And in order to do that, my name is Henry Cassell. And I'm Hala Mazoffer. And we want to talk about a recent criminal conviction that we are calling Brace Yourself for Fraud. This case involved the Medicare anti-kickback statute. The Medicare anti-kickback statute was enacted in 1972, which is about five, seven years after the Medicare law went into effect. Originally, Medicare was a cost-based reimbursement program, and there was concern that the cost-based nature of that reimbursement would tempt recipients of that reimbursement to pay kickbacks or other remuneration in order to increase referrals, which would increase reimbursement. While the Medicare reimbursement mechanism has changed significantly since this law went into effect in 1972, the law has changed very little. This is a criminal statute that applies to anyone. So it's, while we talk about things generally in terms of physicians and hospitals, this case is a good example of the breadth of this law and how it will apply to anyone. It does require a knowing and willful intent to violate the law so that it is not a simple matter to prove because you do have an intent requirement. And what the government has to prove is that there was a solicitation, offer, payment, or receipt of remuneration, which is usually money, but is um, applies to in cash or in kind. And also notice that it applies to both sides of the transaction. It will apply whether the remuneration was paid directly or indirectly, as long as the intent of the remuneration was to induce the referral of or ordering of items or services that are paid for in whole or in part by a federal health care program. Federal health care program is a term of art. Uh, It includes a number of programs, but for our purposes, it generally is Medicare, Medicaid, and TRICARE, which we used to call CHAMPAS, Um, but they're basically governmental payers. Again, Hale is going to describe the facts of this case, and you will see from those facts that how broad this law is, because today we're talking about DMA DME providers as opposed to the typical hospital physician arrangement. Also, the government isn't bound by how the parties characterize a transaction. After all, people rarely say, I'm going to pay you a kickback. Rather, they enter into an agreement that may be called a medical director agreement in the hospital physician context, or in this case, Hale is going to describe some marketing agreements that um, were described to be marketing, but in reality, uh, the government will look beyond the title and look at what actually occurred or what didn't occur, and they will look at the effect of the remuneration and whether it was intended to induce referrals. This law also shows how the law applies to both sides of the transaction. Again, in the intent-based statute, it's difficult to prove intent. So what the government often does is get the other side of the transaction to uh, either turn to certain states' evidence. And we don't know exactly that that happened, but I have a strong inkling that it did because in a uh, reported case on the pre 
trial motions involving this case titled U.S. v. Stroud. Uh, it's a Westlaw case on, published on April 8th, 2022. Um, the defendant asked for a number of items and went to court to say that they were entitled to certain action items that the government was not providing. One of those things was a immunity agreement or a, a plea agreement. And the government did not respond by saying there are none and therefore this request is moot. What they said was we will provide what we have to provide in accordance with the laws of evidence, which leads me to believe that it is uh, there were arrangements between the federal government and a party to the transaction, usually the entity that received the money to make some sort of deal. And finally, when looking at the anti-kickback statute, it's important to remember that a judge once described inducement is the gravamen of a violation of the anti-kickback statute. So it doesn't matter whether uh, the government lost any money or the services would have been provided by another provider. The fact that there was remuneration paid to induce a particular provider to refer to the person or entity that paid that remuneration is all they need to show in order to show a violation of the anti-kickback statute. So, Hala, why don't you describe what happened here and how the government applied this law to the facts of this situation? Yeah, so this particular case takes us to Texas. Um, husband and wife duo Bruce and Bobby Stroud, along with their business partner Kenrick Griffin, jointly owned and operated four orthotic brace supply companies across the state, including New Horizons Durable Medical Equipment, Striffin Medical Supply, 4B Ortho Supply, and then Grace Professional DME. Now, Medicare Part B covers physician services and outpatient care, including an individual's access to durable medical equipment. Now, durable medical equipment includes things like orthotic devices like the Strouds and Griffin sold through their companies. And orthotic devices include things like rigid and semi-rigid devices like ankle braces, knee braces, elbow braces, and so on. If you've ever sprained an ankle or broken a bone, you'd be familiar with this type of brace. And claims for these types of devices are covered by Medicare, but as with most things through Medicare, they're only covered if they're deemed to be medically necessary. And what is medically necessary is not simply, I just need, think I need this. Right. Medically necessary is defined by the Medicare program is items or services that are needed to diagnose or treat an illness or injury, condition, disease, or its symptoms, and meet acceptable medical standards. Okay, so starting in January 2017 until April 2019, the Strouds and Griffin concocted and carried out this scheme that led to their eventual indictment and conviction. So what they did was, first they submitted enrollment applications to Medicare for their four different brace supplier companies, which the government later alleged was for the purpose of submitting false and fraudulent claims to Medicare for reimbursement. Then, however it came about, they got in contact with a few different marketing firms based out of Florida and entered into contracts with individuals at these firms for marketing services. Now, I say marketing services in quotation marks like that because these contracts weren't actually for marketing services. It was later proven that the contracts were a guise for the owners of the brace supplier companies to pay unlawful kickbacks and bribes to the individuals at the marketing firms in exchange for them providing the Strouds and Griffin with completed prescriptions for DME and other Medicare-required documents needed to submit claims. And they were able to characterize these illegal kickback payments as 
marketing expenses. So it's alleged, and again, we say alleged because the individuals at the marketing firms were also indicted, but it's not clear they've ever been convicted of any wrongdoing, that the marketing individuals obtained prescriptions for them to submit to Medicare for the braces. Um, and the indictment alleges that the doctors who signed the doctor's orders often did so regardless of medical necessity, without physical examination, and sometimes just based solely on a short telephone conversation. So based on what Henry discussed earlier, these prescriptions were not for medically necessary durable medical equipment. They then submitted these false and fraudulent claims to Medicare for reimbursement. And I think it's important to note that even if these were or are totally legitimate prescriptions, the Strouds and Griffins paying someone to send these prescriptions to them is the violation of the anti-kickback statute. There's no requirement in the anti-kickback statute that the prescriptions be fraudulent. Now, I think the interesting thing about some of these cases is the glaring trails that some people leave that make things incredibly easy for the Department of Justice to say that this has raised some red flags. So in this case, at least 52 of the Medicare beneficiaries that they billed for, they cycle between three of the companies. So they're billing for the exact same or almost similar orthotic braces for the same people over and over. And the indictment also included uh, evidence of a paper trail. So there were emails from patients' family members complaining that they never solicited these products and that the business was a scam. And then they also had records of online or mobile wire transfers of anywhere between $5,000 to $10,000 to the individuals at the marketing firm. So in total, Medicare paid these defendants a nearly $6.5 million for their $12.5 million worth of claims billed to Medicare for unnecessary braces based on the orders received in exchange for illegal kickbacks. So what happened whenever the Department of Justice presented these facts to a jury of their peers? Um, so a tale as old as time. In uh, May, a federal jury in Dallas convicted the owners and the operators of their, for their illegal kickback scheme. So they were convicted of conspiracy to defraud the United States, to offer and pay illegal health care kickbacks, and then seven violations of the anti-kickback statute. And then, of course, as we've mentioned before, a government favorite is forfeiture. So the government is going to seize all property in connection with the illegally obtained funds. And if the property cannot be located or if it's diminished in value, the government will force the defendants to forfeit other property up to the value of the amount that they obtained. So we're talking 6.5 million. So they're looking at some serious payback. That That's not pocket change for sure. Um, and now all three defendants are scheduled to be sentenced in September and they face individually each up to a total of 55 years in prison. Although only three individuals have currently been convicted, the again, the indictment also named three other people that were involved in the marketing firms in Florida. So there may be more to come on this. Again, they didn't say we're going to pay a kickback. What they said is we're going to pay marketing, which, but they didn't do any marketing. They were nothing more than disguised payments to induce referrals. So we have been talking about, I've been here since 1984, which is before Hela was born. And we've been, I've been talking about the anti-kickback statute since that time. And, and, and it's a little frustrating that after a long time, I can't even do the math anymore as to how long we, I've been here. We still see cases such as this. I admit that these are much more sophisticated than what we used to see, but uh, you still see individuals trying to pay remuneration in one form or another, not for services provided 
but to induce referrals. As one judge very sagely stated many years ago, in order to comply with the Medicare anti-kickback statute, all one has to do is pay fair market value for services that are needed and actually provided. If that's what had been done here, there would have been no liability whatsoever, but because the government was able to prove beyond a reasonable doubt that that's not what occurred and the payments were intended to induce referrals, you have a violation of the anti-kickback statute, potentially up to 55 years in prison and forfeiture of all the money that they may have um, gained through this arrangement. So crime does not pay. And we will continue this series on the, of the Kickback Chronicles to try to bring to light situations that we find. And unfortunately, we're finding them on almost a weekly or bi-weekly basis that people are not getting the message and they continue to violate this law. If you want more information on the Medicare anti-kickback statute, the fraud and abuse laws, or any other cutting edge arrangement involving hospital physician arrangements, please join us at the Horty Springer Seminar on Hospital Physician Contracts and Compliance Clinic. Uh, there will be one in November of 2022 uh, in Las Vegas. We uh, advertise them on the website, so we would urge you to consider joining us at one of those seminars. Thank you, Hala. Thanks, Henry.